Welcome to the Worthy Writer edition of the Write Something Worthy podcast. Each month, we bring you an informative interview that helps you live your best life as an entrepreneur. Here on the Worthy Writer edition, we take a deeper dive into authorship topics through conversations with notable writers and quality industry professionals. And now, your host, Tanya Brockett. Welcome back to part two of our interview with speaker, multi-book author, and business growth strategist, Mark S.A. Smith. In this Worthy Writer episode, Mark shows us how to leverage a book for use in business. He helps shorten our learning curves for success with books and provides tips on gathering and using story ideas in our book project. And now for our continued conversation with Mark S.A. Smith. Now, I'd like to ask you, based on, you know, you've written a lot of books, but based on this last book that you have that you're working on, number 15, I guess it is for you. Number 15 it is, yeah. Ah, what kind of lessons have you learned in working on this book that might help shorten the learning curve for our listeners or give them a better chance of success with their next book? Great. Well, let me let me break this down into two different subtopics. And, and what I want to do is rewind to the very beginning, then rewind to where I am right now, then fast forward to where I am now. My very first book I wrote in five days. It was 5,000 words. I printed it at a local printing house into a, a little, tall, skinny book that would fit into a regular business envelope. It was called 49 Ways to Be Your Best at Trade Show Selling. And it was what I had learned at how to make trade shows work. And actually, that work was what convinced Jay Levinson to invite me to help him write Guerrilla Trade Show Selling, which was my first published book. I sold 13,500 copies of that silly little pamphlet for $2.95. And the way that I did it is is every day I'd send out 10 of those little books to um, publications, magazines, association newsletters, and things like that with a cover letter that says, use any or all of this, just please include this tagline and uh, so that people could order a copy if they wish. And I don't know if you remember the newsletter Boardroom Reports. It was very popular for a long time yes. in, the, in the 80s. Yeah. Well, well, heck, they ran an inch out of that book, and $3 checks came flooding into the mail. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Wonderful. So, you know, friends, you don't have to start off with a 100,000-word book. That was a 5,000-word book that got me going and actually gave me enough money so that I could move into the phase of doing trade show consulting. So now fast forward to today. The, the book I'm working on, Wise Leadership Valor, um, the, the intention for this particular book is to position me as a leader of leaders. Because that's that I see as myself as my role after 40 years of being in business. I have massive insights. I've got all the scars and bruises and liver damage that I've gained as a business owner for 30 years and working with companies, you know, fortune 50 companies to, to startups. And, and I've learned what needs to be in place for a business leader to have a successful company that's sustainable and scalable and 
profitable and ultimately saleable as a business. And so I want to work with these people who want to to plot a path to an unstoppable future. That's my plan. And this book is designed to help establish that capacity as somebody who can do interventions. Help. I've lost my biggest customer. What do I do? Help. A competitor just came in with a, into the market with a new product and it's killing us. Help. I've got an employee that just stole a bunch of money from us. What do we do? So those are the kind of inter- in- interventions that I've helped help my clients help through, right? The second thing it does is, is, it, uh, is I work with people on initiatives. You know, Mark, I want to open a new office in Colorado. Mark, we've got this, this new product that we want to bring to market, but, you know, it's different. It's a different customer base. How do we do that? So those are uh, initiatives where we have a beginning and an ending. It could also be innovation. Mark, I really got to figure out how to create a competitive advantage. What can we What can we do? And then there's also instruction. Mark, I really got to, I got to sharpen my team skills. And, and so, in fact, I run a, a multi-day event called Executive Strategy Summit that helps entrepreneurs think like an executive so they can grow without friction. And then I also ah. work with clients when it comes to um, in, uh, to integration. Some people call that coaching. I call it integration. I'm helping you integrate skills into your wisdom so that you can be better at your job. So those are the five things I do for my clients. And this book is designed as a platform to illustrate that I can deliver on all five of those promises. So the book is going to be full of examples around those five types of services and examples and and principles and all of those elements. So this book is really designed for me to launch my new direction of my business from that platform. And if you build a book with a business plan in mind, it can be the heart of your business plan. And one of the uh, approaches that I'm using to writing this book is I'm interviewing 100 CEOs to include quotes in the book. Well, what do you think happens when I interview 100 CEOs? <laughs> There's a few of them that go, gee, I could use your help. Exactly. So what ends up happening is not only I get a quote in the book, but I also get a client out of it. And there's no better way to start a conversation with somebody than say, I would love to quote you in my book. Now, not everybody agrees. Not everybody agrees, but it doesn't matter. The point is I can start conversations with anybody I want um, to with this approach. Some people can't because they're restricted. You know, for example, I... I approached somebody at one of the theme parks in the Orlando area, and they said, no, we, we're not permitted to do that as part of our culture. We can't, we can't do that. So sometimes I'm being blocked just because they can't be quoted. Uh, but in general, most people talk to me, and I can usually extract some interesting wisdom from them, a viewpoint or a perspective I hadn't had before, which richens me and allows us to have interesting conversations. So, to summarize this whole conversation, you don't have to start big. You can start small. And if you want to use a book as a way to establish yourself and grow your business, be strategic about the writing process. I can write a book in two weeks, but interviewing 100 CEOs takes a year. So this book is taking a year to write instead of two weeks to write because the goal isn't the book. The goal is the conversations that create the book. 
that. It's so beautiful. I love hearing that example. It is so rich. Wow. Thank you. There are so many entrepreneurs who are going to benefit from that and understand. I sure hope so. I, oh, my goodness. I, I have been telling entrepreneurs for years that publishing can take their businesses to new levels if they do it strategically. And here you are laying it out for them. Absolutely beautiful. Well, you know, and since you understand this, you know, it makes you yet again another great book shepherd because not only are you going to help them put together the book, you're going to help them put together the strategy to grow their business because of the book. Yeah, you know, that's one thing that's been a lot of fun for me over the years because I am an MBA who started out working with entrepreneurs and growing them through like the Dingman Center for Entrepreneurship. I ran two small business development centers. I've helped thousands of businesses to launch and grow and get millions of dollars in investment over the years. So it's a, a lot of fun to be able to take that just as my backdrop and then step into the publishing realm and the author services area and help authors to take their words and create entities out of them and create impact at the same time. It's just a beautiful combination, especially I when that. I work with business authors. You know, yes. I understand their business perspective, and sometimes I can add value to that. Just even as an editor, even if I'm not ghostwriting for them, I can add value to their process and their thinking and their presentation of their business work in their book because I've been there or I've experienced it or I studied it or what have you. So it is a beautiful combination, I have to say. That's absolutely fantastic. And and, uh, your experience with the Small Business Development Center is a flashback uh, the first company that I launched coming out of the, the traditional corporate world, I, I worked in the traditional corporate world for eight years before I decided that I, that I was not cut out to follow orders. <laughs> and you are not so, employable. And, <laughs> I, I, am, I am psychologically unemployable. You know, I, it's, that's absolutely true. Right now I have an SOB for a boss who makes me work evenings and weekends, never makes me get a day off. I'm self-employed. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, Tanya, I was a product of the Small Business Development Center, uh, Jump Start, Fast Start, Quick Start. I don't remember what they called it in ah, 1990. Yes. yes. In 1990, I went through the program, and the name of my company was Valence Press. When I launched my business, I launched it as a publishing company. That is really interesting. So you know, is, I, I felt that I would have more hmm. credibility as a publishing company than as a consulting company. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> that's definitely a stretch there. Wow. Uh, now, when I started uh, my first business, out after I got out from other people, my first business was a consulting business. There you go. It wasn't yeah. until later that I also picked up the editorial services side and then I ended up dropping the consulting side and going all in on helping yeah. people to write better words. I love that. Really good. Really, really good. Well, you know, you certainly have the background to help guide somebody to create a, a true business based on a book that they have a vision of. That's spectacular. Yes. 
is quite a joy, I have to say. Now, can you tell us um, a, a particular, mm, is there a habit or a practice that has contributed most to your success with your authorship? Yes, there is. That is insane curiosity and not needing to have the answer, but to focus in on the question, which will lead to the answer. And all of my books are written around questions. All of my books start with a question. What if? How come? Why is it? And then once you start asking those questions, you ask it of everybody. And the answers that you receive are the most important aspect to help you develop the broad perspective that is critical for a quality book. And that perspective comes from a place of not knowing, but instead of gathering information of exploration. And then once you have the territory mapped, then you can begin to innovate, to connect some dots, to bring forth thought leadership. And as part of that insane curiosity, anytime an idea comes in, I write it down on an index card. I always carry index cards and a Sharpie pen and I jot down the ideas, and if I could show you a picture of my office, there's, there's a stack of 1,000 index cards, each with an idea on it. There's another 25 or 30 spread out on the table, and uh, right here beside me is a Sharpie and a, and a pile of index cards. So if an idea comes in, I jot it down instantly. Then those index cards with one idea per card get sorted into chapters, and then they, get, then they get reshuffled into the order of the chapter. So the book writes itself after I've experienced the exploration of the ideas. Very creative. You know, there is a, uh, a software program that uh, becomes an electronic index card uh, okay. for you that I have used in the past called Scrivener. Yeah, very popular tool to write, especially nonfiction. I mean, fiction, because it allows you to keep track of characters and arc and things like that. Yeah. Well, that's true too. But it also allows you to hold on to research that uh, yeah. for a nonfiction book. Um, yes. So I have used it in some of my ghostwriting for uh, other authors. Well, one of the things that I keep is an idea file. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, it's not all on index cards that I can sort and shift around. It's actually in one giant Word document. And yeah. when I get those ideas, I try to put them in the idea file so at least I capture them. And then yeah. if I can review them on some regular basis, then I can see if there's something that's worthy of bringing it out to the forefront. And then Indeed. let's play with that. And if there's energy with that, then let's move forward with that. Well, as so, an author, you've got to figure out a way to capture your ideas so that you can revisit them. And the, the reason why I settled on index cards, which I've been using for several decades now, is because, first of all, it forces me to write one idea per card, and I can leave the cards laying around, which allows my brain to process them and trigger additional ideas, which then will augment and encourage those. 
And then I also find just the, you know, what we're, what I'm really doing here is an, is a riff on Walt Disney's storyboarding strategy where you put every, every shot on a card so you can move the cards around and you can replace the card easily and yet see the big picture while zooming in on the specific details. And so for me, that process works better than an electronic record. Uh, but I have use to whatever, say, yeah. <laughs> whatever works for you, whatever idea, whatever allows you to capture it. I used to keep notebooks, but I found it was difficult for me to rearrange the ideas. But with this, you know, I can sit there and I can go, this is, this, these two ideas connect. Ooh, I hadn't thought about those two ideas going together. Oh, that's a, ooh, I can see the linkage there. There's some thought leadership. So for me, it allows me to see, see things in a different connection strategy because it's, it's visual and it's tactical and it's kinesthetic. And I can be waiting in line and I can pull out a card and I can jot a note. And, and so it's that anytime, anyplace, anywhere, day or night, asleep or awake that I can capture those ideas and then rearrange them. So you know, it's funny. That, I, that's the game I play. I have, I I'm looking up on my bulletin board right now from my podcast station and I see <laughs> exactly what you said. I have these colored index cards with one go. thought on them each. And it's like, Oh wow. I'm, I'm doing that. <laughs> Right there. So, so would you like to know what a couple of cards are that are my that are my 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 table right now, just for grins, just to kind of share how it works, yes. how the insanity works. I would love it. Hey, I would love. All right, it. I, I love that. Okay, so, so here's uh, here's a couple of um, a couple of crazy things. They're just all over the place because I'm working on actually four additional books, but we'll get to that. Um, hmm. And and that the first one here is that fear is the prediction of personal loss. Mm. And anger is the perception of personal loss. So I'm chewing on that a little bit to help executives understand where fear and anger comes from. And then stress is the perception of impending loss. So all of those things are about a judgment about some personal loss. Huh. About that. That's kind of crazy. Huh. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm chewing on that. <laughs> oh, so oh, the another one is predicting effort of a task before we start into a task. Uh, sometimes we pre- to predict the effort that to write the task is difficult, such as sitting down to write a chapter. So if you do any kind of pre-framing that the task is going to be challenging, such as grimacing or grunting or groaning before a task, it makes the task difficult. Versus if you predict that you're going to have an effortless task, such as you smile and you chuckle and you laugh, moving into the task, it makes the task easy or fun. And so this was based on my observation that older people tend to grunt before they get out of their chair. Even though getting out of the chair doesn't look terribly effort, like it's effort, but they tend to presage that that's going to be a challenge. So these are some areas that I'm, you know, they were the ideas that came to me that will be worked into the book in some way about leadership is about predicting the ease 
or the difficulty of a task. It's part of leadership. So there you go. That's a simple example of stuff that's just spread around that it will ultimately end up in the book because the ideas are captured. That's wonderful. That is absolutely <laughs> terrific. You know, one of the courses that I have and teach is it's my Bebop course, and it's the Brocket book outline process. And Ooh. in that course, we do a we do some exercises. It's a seven step course, and the first three steps I am finding has such a positive impact on my authors, whether they've written their books already or whether they're just starting. But part of it is that visualization, right? And a lot of the authors that I taught in book, book publishing classes that I did at the local university and so forth, a lot of them came in with this fear, right? This this negative expectation. I want to write a book, but. And so I had to kick a lot of butt out of that class. <laughs> I want you to be excited about writing that book. So let's shift that vision a little bit and let's get excited before we begin so that we can begin in a joyful way. So I like hearing what you just said. That really has a lot of merit. Oh, and that is definitely you. worth exploring. It's been it's been fun to see it in action. Once you bring it forward in your consciousness, you can see it in action. And as an author, you know, it feels daunting. You think back to high school and how hard it was to, to write a, a 250-word essay. And you yes. think, oh, my gosh, I've got to produce 75,000 words. And it was, it was hell to write a 250-word essay. Well, yeah, but the, remember that you write a, a book one sentence at a time. And once you get into the flow, once you tap into the, that genius that is yours, the magic happens. And, and, it, and actually, all of my books have been written once that I've done the work. The writing itself takes me about two weeks. And that's all I do for two weeks is write. And so it, it happens in the flow, but everything else is about research to create the content and the context and then sit down and let it flow. Other people like to write a book, you know, a thousand words a day. Great. Whatever works for you is the right way. That's right. I remember when my first conversation with John Grisham, who is a fiction author, legal. Oh, very. very one, one, of the, one of the few rich fiction authors. <laughs> Oh, right, right. Well, we have uh, a couple of good rich ones here in our area, actually, between John Grisham and David Baldacci. We've got, oh, yeah. we've got a lot of that. But oh, yeah. when, I, when I spoke with John, I asked him, how is it that you create book after book? And you're just cranking them out year after year. This was you know several years ago. And he said, I sit down to the same table, same cup of coffee, same pen every morning, same time, and yeah. I write. Habit. So it's like if he writes a thousand words, great. If he writes more, that's great too. But he's going to write, and that's his time yeah. in space to do it. Exactly. Baldacci told me the same thing, and now yeah. he's doing a master class. I'm going to have to jump in on that. But he told me the same thing about writing. He also gave me a, a fun tip. 
uh, we were together at the Virginia Festival of the Book, and we were having a conversation. We ended up on the uh, in the newspaper in a giant photo as a result of this conversation because we talked so long. But <laughs> it was fun, yeah. So one thing that he was telling me about how he came about finding his agent was by looking at other people's books, seeing who they were dedicating their books to, many of mm-hmm. whom dedicated it to their agent. And then he would look through those books, obviously, that were in his genre and made sense. And then he would pursue those agents that they were recommending. Yes. Because they're like, well, if he likes them, then maybe I'll like them too. If he liked that book, maybe he'll like this one also. But that yeah. was just a great tip just, you know, in looking for agency. That I thought was very helpful. That's right. Um, agents specialize. And so you have to find absolutely. the agent with the correct specialty so that they can agent you the best. Generalist agents don't get you big advances, but specialty agents do because they know the publishers, they know the demands, and they're also tapped into what are the the titles in process. So they can go to a yeah. publisher that has has a hole in their process, titles and process and can pitch your book to them uh, versus the ones that say, you know, we've got a full catalog right now, come back and see us in six, six months. Well, so th- that's why agent selection has to be guided as well. You, you can't just go out there and start pitching agents. You need somebody to help you match with an agent uh, who has deep experience. Otherwise, you're going to be frustrated. Don't Writing and publishing books is not something that you can do without guidance. You'll make a lot of mistakes and you will pay the stupid tax if you do. <laughs> That's a good point. A very good point. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> Man. Well, even even this wow. book, I, I want to point out, even this book, I have a coach guiding me with this, my 15th book. Excellent. Now, why would I need a, yeah. a, a coach guiding me on my 15th book? Because I have massive blind spots, and she makes sure I don't make mistakes. Very good. She's yes, expensive. I mean, even my authors really? who... Yeah. Yeah? Well, even my authors who have, like, the, the author that has the 60-some-odd books out there... Whenever we are going through the manuscript at the end, he still has the opportunity to learn something. He's like, ah, (laughs) and he's got 60 books out there. But there's always something that you can learn, and there's there's always a place for a coach because you want to be better at what you're doing, right? That's right. You want to have the greatest chance of success. So why not go to somebody who can help you to create that? And so that's why leaders come to you, and that's why authors come to me. That's right. You know, as a as a coach of leaders, I still have I have four coaches that I work with to improve four different aspects of my life. And people say, "Gee, Mark, it's sixty two. Don't you think you know it all?" No, not at all. Not even close to knowing it all. And so I'm so grateful for my coaches because they keep me from making stupid mistakes that my ego insists is a great, like when I started off, my title sucked and my coach said, all right, let's, let's get you a title. It's going to work. And it, it actually took us three months to refine the title 
And so that's the kind of work you have to do. And it's, it's absolutely worth it. Absolutely. Because I have sold consulting services just mentioning the title of the book that's not going to be available until the end of this year. Wow. Wonderful. See, there's that the value what your of book's a book supposed for to you. do. That's yes. it. That's that's the power of a well-crafted book. Absolutely. The magic is well-crafted. Indeed. Write something worthy. Don't just write some crap and throw it out there and put it up on <laughs> Amazon or something like that. My that's goodness. Right. Write something worthy that, of you. That's right. And that worthiness delivers value to your target market. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. Really good. Oh, my goodness. Well, Mark, I tell you, <laughs> I could talk to you all day, but I know our <laughs> listeners only have a certain <laughs> amount of time. That's so right. So can you share uh, with our listeners how they can connect with you to learn more about your work and uh, more about you? Gladly. Well, you know, I, a great place to connect is on LinkedIn because no matter where I go, I still maintain my LinkedIn profile. And uh, so marksonlinkedin.com will take you directly there, M-A-R-K-S on LinkedIn.com. And, it's, and uh, it will take you straight to my profile. My name is Mark S.A. Smith. And if you don't use the S.A., you'll never find me because there's so many Mark Smiths out there. But I make it easy for people using these little web links that are easy for them to remember, and they take them to complex websites. So that's something you might think about as you, as an author, create your uh, your identity. So I do the same thing, you know, marks on YouTube, marks on uh, Twitter, all on Twitter. All yeah, there. I saw yeah, that. Marks marks on Twitter.com. So I mean, all of these things are ways that you can do that. So you know, it, it makes it easy. You know, let's let's connect on LinkedIn. There's 150 articles that I've written available on LinkedIn all about business development, sales, marketing, and leadership ideas. So you might find some things that are of interest there. I'd be glad to connect with you. All you got to do is reach out and say, hey, I heard you on uh, the Write Something Worthy podcast, and I will be delighted to connect with you, and we'll start a conversation from there. That is wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing. And thank you, Mark, so much for being here. Oh, your valuable insights have been wonderful. And I am so grateful to have had you here today. Thank you. You're welcome. And if your listeners like this, perhaps we can do a follow-up a little later on in the year as we talk about the progress of the book. Absolutely. I would welcome that with great joy. (laughs) All right. It's a date. (laughs) All right. Thank you for joining us for two Worthy Writer editions of the Write Something Worthy podcast with Mark S.A. Smith. Head on over to MarksOnLinkedIn.com and tell him you heard him on this podcast so you can connect to his wisdom. Be sure to leave comments on your favorite podcast platform or over at WriteSomethingWorthy.com where you can also find links to show mentions like our Bebop eCourse and book coaching services. If you have questions, please let us know so we can answer them for you. We look forward to connecting next week. Bye now. You've been listening to the Write Something Worthy podcast. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or email us your feedback at podcast at writesomethingworthy.com and we'll catch you next Word Worthy Wednesday.